This is Financially Engaged with Ryan Connor from Bushka Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Ryan provides his clients and prospects the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Financially Engaged with Ryan Connor. The American government has a debt problem. Now, this isn't a surprise to anyone at this point. The U.S. national debt surpassed $21.4 trillion and is only rising by a mere millions of dollars per minute. These numbers are so high that they are almost impossible to put into context. But to attempt to, the U.S. debt right now is greater than the GDP of the U.S. was in 2017. The debt to GDP ratio was 105.4%. That can only begin to try and put these large numbers into context. So instead of trying the hopeless task of contextualizing the numbers, let's just get into what it all means. Now, firstly, we have to understand what is leading to this debt. Now, the lion's share of the federal budget is in two programs, the Medicare-Medicaid program and Social Security, both of which make up over $1 trillion in expenditures each year. Another obvious culprit is the large military budget, wars in Iraq, Libya, and Afghanistan, in addition to the U.S. having a military budget the same as the next seven countries combined, have led it to make up 15% of all federal expenditures. Now, all of this large spending, combined with tax cuts from the Clinton, Bush, and Trump administrations, have created a gap between revenues and expenditures. The post-financial crisis stimulus package under the Obama administration and the bank bailouts also added to this number. As you can see, there isn't just one cause. The problem here is multifaceted. So the question is, and really the important question is, does the U.S. really have a problem? And the answer is going to depend on who you ask. Now, the debt-to-GDP ratio in the U.S. right now is higher than other powerful economies like Germany. But it's also much lower than a place like China's, which exceeds 200%. But as we've seen in places across Southern Europe recently, as well as now Turkey and Argentina, a debt crisis can really bring an economy to its knees. And the U.S. debt problem isn't really projected to get any better in the near future. With new tax cuts, revenues for the government are projected to decrease, whilst federal spending is projected to take up an increased portion of the nation's economy. The ultimate fact is, the U.S. cannot continue to let its debt grow faster than its economy does over the long term and will eventually need to show some semblance of fiscal responsibility. So how do we go about doing that? Well, there are really two options when it comes to reigning in debt. You can either cut spending or you can raise taxes. Now, neither of these options are ever very popular, which is why debt is the politically expedient way out. It allows politicians to promise more to secure votes today while not having to deal with those consequences down the road. Essentially, it's like robbing from your grandchildren to pay for your grandparents. So where could spending be cut? And that depends on where your political priorities lie. The most aggressive fiscal hawks would like to see cuts to all of the major programs and increase in the age of Social Security and Medicare qualifications. These are by far the two most expensive programs, and as our population continues to age, they are only going to get more expensive. 
Cuts to defense spending have also been recommended by Hawks, since the U.S. is not involved in any major conflict, yet continues to spend at levels far higher than any other nation on Earth. Now, I want to be quite upfront and frank about this next part here, because it's really important. The idea that eliminating waste, fraud, and abuse in, you know, certain administrations or departments or, you know, say they'll eliminate waste, fraud, and abuse um, from the military or from Social Security or from Medicare or poverty programs. These are put forth by candidates on both sides in terms of how we're going to tackle the debt. To be quite honest and to be quite frank, that is just lip service and avoiding having to really make tough spending decisions. Eliminating that waste would barely make a dent in this growing problem. In order to truly tackle this issue, it will require real policy solutions and reforms of our most expensive expenditures. So what is likely to happen and what is really possible? Well, in the short term, I don't mean to be negative, but probably nothing. I mean, if past is precedent, this is how this is going to go. Whichever of the two major parties has the presidency at the time will not particularly care about the debt and the minority party will. And when those roles are flipped, the roles will flip as well. The outcome is going to be the same, and the party in power is going to not care, and the minority party will care, or at least pretend to care. We can see this with the rise of the Tea Party movement in the GOP during the Obama administration, which campaigned on being fiscal hawks, lower taxes, and lower spending. Well, now it is the Democrats that are using debt and budgetary reasons to reject GOP proposals. It's really a hypocrisy by all. Both sides, when in power, seem to show very little concern when it comes to federal expenditures. But when they, that party is not in power, they use it as a way to score political points. This isn't uncommon to actually see in politics and democracies around the world. It's happened in Europe. It's happened in South America. It's happened in Asia and whatnot. In the short term, however, it means it's unlikely that anything really happens to change this. The incentives just aren't really there. So what if nothing is done? What's at risk? Well, let's look at some other examples, obviously on a much smaller scale. We have yet to see a true debt crisis in an economy as big and powerful and dynamic as the United States. Greece is really the most recent and noticeable example where they've gone through a debt crisis and we've actually seen some sort of policy prescription. Now they've had to make serious cuts to their public spending to begin paying back their debts in a process called austerity. Now really, this is Greece doing what they should have done years ago in terms of reducing public spending, but now they have to do it at a much more aggressive level. You can think about it kind of like this. Imagine Greece was taking out money on credit cards year after year after year after year after year, racking up high amounts of credit card debt. Well, we all know that you, know, you can actually live you know, pretty well just on credit and you can be on what's called a credit high. Well, unfortunately, there comes a time when those bills come due and it's time to pay up. Well, in Greece's case, they did not have the money to be able to pay up because they were in a deficit over and over and over again and were unable to provide the capital to pay off the debts. So what Greece essentially has had to do is make aggressive lifestyle changes. I mean, if any of you had lived on credit cards for a long time and all of a sudden you don't have that credit available anymore, you have to make significant lifestyle changes. You know, Maybe you have to downsize a house or get a less expensive car or you have to sell some things. For Greece, it is essentially the government's version of doing the same thing. They've had to make significant cuts to public spending so they can afford to pay their creditors. 
Now, that doesn't mean this has to be doom and gloom. There is hope. In fact, the U.S. isn't the first country to face a debt problem, and once they solve it, or you know, perhaps if they don't, they won't certainly won't be the last. In fact, the U.S. isn't even the first North American country to face one. Our friends to the north were facing one as recently as the 1980s. Canada overcame this by slashing government spending from 23% of GDP in 1993 to a mere 15% today. Under Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, now yes, that's the father of current Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Canada increased taxes, vastly increased public spending, began nationalizing parts of the economy throughout the 1970s. He also introduced tariffs to protect Canadian businesses, quote-unquote. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the consequences of tariffs and the negative effects they can have on the economy, you can find the show titled Tariffs and Trade Wars back in our feed. But back to Canada. So Canada also started to print money, which, if you know anything about how the supply and demand of currency works, led to increased inflation. Quite the disaster they've created, right? Public deficits were high, regulation was high, barriers were put up to businesses. This sounds much more like a fledgling Southern European country than the strong Canada we know today. And it's a much, much worse situation than the United States is in. So, what did Canada do? Well, they lowered taxes, they opened free trade, and privatized state-owned companies under Conservative Party leadership. Then, the Liberal Party began to cut public spending cutting entitlement programs, subsidies, as well as military spending. And with these reforms, the government created a surplus in a mere four years. Changing the model not only saved Canada from bankruptcy, but it created a country with a sound fiscal footing and one of the better economies in the world. This doesn't mean every Canadian policy decision was necessarily the ideal one but it does provide hope that there is a real way back to prosperity from a debt crisis, and that that path can be achieved by making real policy reforms, not merely paying lip service to a debt problem. Let's just hope the United States is able to change its course before a crisis occurs. Thanks again for listening to us this week. Once again, I am Ryan Connor from Bushka Wealth Management, and you've been listening to Financially Engaged. If you like what you heard today, be sure to go to investwithbushka.com, that's investwithbushka.com, and head over to our radio page. Also, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play if you haven't yet. And finally, if you'd like to set up a no-obligation meeting to discuss your financial situation, you can give us a call at 715-355-4445. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Financially Engaged. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Ryan Connor at Bushka Wealth Management. Call 715-355-4445 or visit them online at investwithbushka.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered through Bushka Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Wisconsin. Insurance products and services are offered through Bushka Retirement Solutions, Incorporated. Bushka Wealth Management, LLC, and Bushka Retirement Solutions, Incorporated are affiliated companies. Bushka Wealth Management, LLC, Bushka Retirement Solutions, and Ryan Connor are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.